Good thing. I got wine and water today. I'm drinking a Okay. Job. Listen, I'm not mad at you. Um, all right. All right. Okay. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the Pre-Internet Friends Podcast. This is a conversation shaped by being savvy enough to deal with the world today, but old enough to remember the world before the internet. This podcast is a his and hers take on the world as it is, not as it should be. I am your host, the immaculate, the on point, the mostly right, the sometimes less right, aka your favorite lovable asshole, Mr. J. Nicholas. This is my co-host, everyone's favorite everything, the crypto conqueror, Miss Nicole Shanique. How you feeling today, man? I'm doing all right. How are you? You know what? I am feeling uh, completely satisfied with myself. Oh. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Netflix anime, uh, One Punch Man. No. But yes, it's a, it's, a, it's a little anime. It's a little, you know, funny thing. But um. I just started doing the One Punch Man uh, workout, the regimen that he was on in the in the show, and that is today was day one of my hundred push ups, hundred sit ups, hundred squats, and two mile run. So I plan on tackling this every day, uh, and you know for the month, and let's see how I feel going into the summer. Oh, you're trying to get your body ready for that season? That's what's up. No, I'm trying to be the a better version of myself. That's all. Oh. No, okay. no false narratives. No false narratives. Okay, I support right. you. Yeah, there we go. So, where would you like to begin this week, man? Well, since we are still in quarantine, at least here in New York, uh, some of y'all are outside. Please take your ass in the house. But uh, as we've spoken about the PPP Paytech Protect- Protection Program. One of the stars, have you heard about this story from Love and Hip Hop, has already been arrested for fraud relating to the PPP program, and the program just came out. Yes, yes. This is down, I believe, I thought that was in Georgia. Uh, uh, Atlanta, where? yes. Yeah. Um, so for people who have been tuning in uh, week in and week out, shout out to you guys, our returning listeners. Uh, shout out to the first time listeners as well. But for the people who have been tuning in weekly, we have touched on this stimulus package uh, on various episodes. I just actually reviewed it. It was episodes four and five, but we did a deep dive. Um, so the Small Business Administration issued uh, a ton of money. Right. It's part of this bailout. It's part of this CARES Act is two and a half trillion dollars. Some of it was allocated for small businesses to maintain payroll. This is the PPP that you're referring to. So what this gentleman did, and I don't have his name in front of me, I actually. His real name is Maurice something, but on the show, they call him Arkansas Mall. Arkansas Mo, yeah, that sounds like a hustler. If I <laughs> right. So, so Arkansas Mo claimed that he had, and I'm going off of memory, he had roughly $1.7 million in weekly payroll I think overhead. It was monthly. I think it was monthly. Oh, okay. So monthly payroll overhead. And he requested a payment, a reimbursement payment, somewhere in the ballpark of $3 million. And he actually received $2 million. However, once he got the money, Arkansas Mo didn't use that money for uh, his employees, the 100 plus employees he claimed to have. In fact, he went and bought a watch. He bought a a car, a Rolls Royce. He paid (laughs) down uh, on some property. And he was able, because he's a good father, to pay $40,000 
um, in child support of that that one point seven million. So Arkansas Mo got got arrested for fraud, and his ass is out of here. Right, grand opening, grand closing. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> first of all, the fact that they gave that nigga two million dollars lets me know that there's really no safeguards in place with this. But because you know, I said I that watched when we talked about this, I said, "Yo, they're giving this money away. They are giving they're it away. They're not doing the right checks. They're not doing the right checks because anybody who has watched Love and Hip Hop and Lena would know that that nigga don't have no business that's doing one million dollars a month. And you know, I do believe he was backed up on his child support, so I believe <laughs> that part. But the fact that they claim that he had enough empo- employees that payroll." payroll was one million a month and that nigga be wearing like kango hats and shit no Mm -mm. he dressed like drake father (laughs) shout out out to drake's dad no we're not shouting out no no, we're not because mr dennis gives me a i was a deadbeat but now i'm back around because this nigga is rich but if he wasn't i would still be a deadbeat like that's the energy i get that is a super listen that is a super specific vibe and i don't know if i could co-sign if that's what he's giving drake said that the nigga didn't raise him and mr dennis has never come out and refute that but no that is not true i heard i heard mr dennis say no i heard out go ahead go ahead Drake is just rich enough where now Mr. Dennis gets a benefit out of being around him. It's a very no, common no. thing. Where was- Drake, Drake's yeah. dad came out and said that he was an active parent uh, with when? consistency for the duration of Drake's life and that he doesn't Can't know be. why. Listen, and that he does not know why Aubrey makes a, a point of talking shit about him on songs, but he understands that he has to sell records, so he's not going to say anything. This was in the interview. Does you, that you make know. any sense? Yes, it makes sense. Like, all right, Jamal, this is your bag. Up. Go ahead. If you're going to monetize your bag, I'm not going to stand in the way of that. Who am I to First block your First of all, how was, he an active, how was he an active parent when Drake is from Toronto and Mr. Dennis is from Memphis? You can't be and you active hear, that and damn you don't know the, and you don't know those away. Drake songs. You don't know those Drake songs. Which Drake where he's song? Ta- he saw the Drake songs where he's talking about the time that he spent in 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 Memphis with his cousins. Drake was with his father too. Like don't don't do that. Anyway, uh, anyway, yeah, anyway. You know what? So Arkansas Mo, he's um he's locked up. Yeah, um, he's going to the feds for this one. I'm sure. I respect the hustle though. The, the, nah. There's a part of me that could appreciate nah. his his uh commitment to the game like he, he got on it and he, he ran he, i think hopped the ring to some jewelry you know like do your thing but Come it was on. a little short-sighted it was definitely short-sighted and you know it is what it is but as i did say mr j nicholas told you guys the money is they're giving it away fill out the paperwork they're giving it away i did say that so uh i know that there was some um, some pictures that had started recirculating I had seen these pictures originally in 2017, and there there was a photo shoot of a I don't want to call it a broken family, but it, it's like you know it wasn't a nuclear family any longer. It was a, a mom and a dad and their daughter. So the mother's shirt says "I I hate him," right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the father's shirt says "I I hate her," and the little girl's shirt says something to the effect of. But they do it for me. Yep. Or you know, something to that effect. Yep. So now 
you know, I guess the lens that you examine this picture through is kind of going to affect how healthy or unhealthy you think that is. Um, where, where, do, where do you fall on that? You, you have an issue with that? I hated every grown person in the picture. Mm, you hate them. Yeah. Because they hate each other. But why right. do you hate them? <laughs> because what type of bullshit is this? Like, this is why we can't be great because people do this type of dumb shit. It's like, not only are you foolish enough to think this shit, you're foolish enough to go get shirts made. And then further, to take the bullshit even further, you're going to now put it on social media. So you are advertising that this is how fucking backwards in the mind you are. You are willing to be with somebody you hate and tell this to each other in front of the world and your child. Wait, like, wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. I, I think I think that we're taking away two totally different things from that. I got I gathered that they are this no longer together and it, that they are co-parenting together. Nah, and, and, that sounded like we miserable, but we staying together for the kids. No, no. How did you how did you gather that from? Oh, she said the, they do it for me. So what is the it? It sounds like it the is, it is being together. It is co-parenting. No. All right, Jamal, fine. <laughs> okay, fine. Go ahead. No, yeah, that, I mean that that changes that changes how how that changes everything. <laughs> like if if they're together, why would you and, get, why would you get shirts made like that for somebody who you're not together with? <laughs> It don't make because, sense. Yeah, because you're you are showing that you are like at the girl. The mother had the, had the caption up, and I was just looking for it. I couldn't find it. But she, basically, she was speaking to the fact that you know you have to put your personal differences aside to to better serve the needs of your your, your kid. Great. And, why, like what? What is your issue with that? That sounds like a wholly responsible thing uh, to do. What's well, not responsible is getting them stupid ass shirts made and then putting that shit on Instagram for the whole fucking world to see it. So you feel like the dysfunction of relationship, right, or lack thereof, shouldn't be shown in a transparent manner. No, it shouldn't be celebrated. Like, I don't know about this new world where it's like, I'm just going to get a shirt made for every fucking hood rat thing that I'm doing. Like, when did that... I, I didn't get that email. Nobody gave me the email on it that that's what we were doing. That every bad decision you make gets a t-shirt. Listen, you can't you can't say it's a bad decision um, for 360 days out of the year than want something for Mother's Day. You know what I'm saying? Jamal, like, I don't even know what the hell that means. I really don't I'm, even know what that means. I'm just saying. I'm, saying I'm just saying. Now, I'm not a parent. You are, right? Uh-huh. So I was under the impression that as a parent, you would want to be modeling proper behavior ah, for your children. There and we go. Them, you know, how people should treat each other. And to me, yes. this is not a good example of how people would treat each other because now this girl is seeing that her mother and father are speaking negative on each other. So it's like, is she going to grow up thinking that that's the way you're supposed to be with somebody? Like nobody's having sense. Like now I'm getting worked up. Okay. Okay. I understand what you're saying. And if we're talking about... The, the an altruistic approach to parenting, then you are modeling uh, optimal behavior at all times for your kids, and they are unaware of your dislike of one another, right? And that's optimal uh, scenarios. You have so many 
people, and I won't say women, you have so many people who are in dysfunctional relationships because of uh, harboring the strong emotional uh, resentments to a relationship that didn't work, that they are allowing that to dictate how they parent. And I can speak to that with some authority. I've seen it firsthand time and time again, and I've actually experienced a great deal of that myself. Okay, Jamal. Uh, yes. Don't do it. Uh, Okay, well, I'm just saying, live your truth, right? I'm, I'm walking in mine. Oh, um, the, it, I, I actually, from from my perspective, like, like I said, from seeing so many parents be completely dysfunctional, I think that they're while it might be tacky, I think there is a level of maturity and identifying right that they are unable to be together in a healthy way. But they are willing to come together in a serious? responsible manner to parent. I think that that's something. Are that, you serious? That, yes, I'm serious. That you no, don't no. find that everywhere. No, there, what there I don't find who, everywhere who, is is people calling, making a T-shirt about some dumb shit mature. So that's what I don't find everywhere. I mean, the people put sh- shirts up for everything. How many graduation shirts have you seen with clouds on it, and you thought somebody passed away? Like people, people. I don't know what you're talking about. My graduation shirt don't have that on it, but you know, a lot of anyway. Anyway, let me stop before I get canceled. I just don't understand why you would involve your child in something like that. Why you would put that out to the world? Like it just seemed like a situation where nobody in no grown person in the scenario has any type of sense and this is what they're doing and yet they got a whole child that they're raising um right so well, I, you know- I, I wasn't feeling this at all because to me i think that a lot of people and i don't know when this turn was taken but it seems that now people think that things that we used to classify as dysfunctional or you know not in someone's best interest now we classify that as some type of normalcy right like i just don't think that that's good because then people just think that anything is supposed to go um i remember i was tweeting about the singer monica how she was talking about how she was living in the same house with her soon to be ex uh what's his name mm-hmm. shannon whatever the best shannon Brown. right yeah shannon and then she was just kind of like, oh, well, we're doing it for the kids and da 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 And like, why disrupt them? And da-da. It's like, but at the end of the day, if y'all got along so perfectly, y'all would not be getting a divorce, right? So. No, no, no. That's not how that works. No. I First of all, can I finish? Okay, go ahead. Rock out. What I'm saying is I think that people, I'm not saying that you have to be cussing each other out every day. But what I'm saying is as a child, you can feel energy. And I'm saying this from experience, right? So people seem to think, oh, well, as long as we're not fussing and cussing in front of the kids, it's all good. But it's like, there are so many other ways to model behavior that is less than optimal that people are doing. And now for whatever reason, we fucking celebrate it. Because when I remember seeing that on the show and I'm like, okay, so y'all are not together for whatever reason, but y'all are still under the same roof, which means you know, that the energy is probably weird at certain times. So now y'all are showing y'all children this weird ass energy. Like, what are they going to think? Like, but it's just like, oh no, uh, you know, we just didn't want to have to drive them longer to school. And it's like, there's some things that's bigger than other things. That's all that, that's the way I feel. Like y'all are sending these messages to kids, these weird ass messages. And then it's like, no wonder why I have these damn kids is crazy and got, you know, whatever problems they have. I understand what you're saying, and I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying in principle, because you're right. There is 
a better version of of parenting that could be displayed and while you guys are are apart and not living together when you start talking about optimal uh, parental arrangements if two people agree that the relationship isn't going to work and they have children together them living apart and being able to model them being happy individually is going to be healthier than them being just functional while living together. There are uh, sometimes logistical situations where it just makes more sense for the parents to still cohabitate and, you know, not wanting to change the commute sometimes is, you know, pretty minor in the grand scheme of things. But if you're talking about, you know, this disrupting with schools, uh, a kid can go to or the ability to play um, uh, an instrument or a sport that they were going to try to leverage into going into a particular high school or college, you know, it, it could be far more, more reaching and getting a divorce when you're particularly not like a wealthy person, like a, a average Joe getting a divorce can be uh, a completely, you know, life-changing circumstance, particularly financially. So I could understand there being reservation and hesitancy to move forward uh, and disrupt, you know, everything that was built up to that point. I'm not saying that that's the best case scenario or that's optimal for, for the parents, but you can be in a situation where you are not dealing with one another in a romantic way and in an intimate way and still both, you know, both parents be able to parent their their kids effectively. I don't think that the ability to parent is, oh, hold on, somebody's trying to get my attention outside. Um, Yeah, I don't think that the ability to parent is directly uh, linked to being uh, in a relationship. You know what I mean? Like no, those two I things. agree. I agree. But mm-hmm. I just think that when we're kind of advertising certain things that it's really doing the opposite effect that the people involved think it's having. Well, I don't know. I don't want to be the the advocate for, for broken families, but I, I think that there has to be a, a bit of realism when you, when you start talking about trying to raise parents, uh, raise parents, raise children and in this culture, the divorce rate is about 55%. You know, there's so many people who are witnessing or who know of dysfunctional post breakup, you know, uh, rearing of children that even though this isn't optimal because it's broadcast on social media, I think that the ability to co-parent them acknowledging that they don't get along. I, I really don't see anything wrong with it. I mean, outside of obviously, it being documented for public consumption. Their daughter appeared quite young in the picture. Uh, you know, like she that was... Is, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Speaking of another parent I don't agree with, mm-hmm. Lil Boosie. Lil Boosie. He said, put your, said, put your pussy on the camera right now for $100. <laughs> are, are you caught up on, on his latest commentary? Yeah. Yeah. So for those, who don't, for those who don't uh-huh. know, we've all witnessed Lil Boosie's um, problematic commentary when it comes to kids related to Dwayne Wade's daughter, you know, being trans. We went through that. Then I guess 
not long after that, he made those comments about teaching his son how to eat pussy or something. And now he talked about how he paid a grown woman to perform oral sex on his preteen son and nephews. And I didn't feel as strongly at first, but the more that I think about it, like if we're doing cancel R. Kelly, it needs to be canceled little boosie because this is just so outrageous to me. And I'm just ready to get Boosie up out of here because at the end of the day, when I first heard about this, it was like my comment was Boosie needs to make sure that he filled out his Medicaid papers so he could get his insulin and stop having to get on Instagram live begging people to bring him insulin and shit, you know, and there's something going on with little Boosie and I'm just tired of it. The thing is, I only know one little Boosie song anyway. And that was from about 15 years ago. So I'm not going to miss him. I have a bag of little Boosie rap snacks that I refuse to eat because I can't even bring myself to deal with anything related to this nigga because it's so wild. And I like, where are the, where's the outrage from these famous people? Because, you know, when it was surviving R. Kelly, you know, it was, oh, why y'all doing this to the black man? And, and, you know, you trying to tear a black man down. Like, where's the outrage related to this? Where's the outrage? Because if this was a little girl, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. If somebody said, oh, I think my little girl, I, I don't want my little girl to be gay. So I paid a grown man to come do a sexual act on her do you think we would be having a debate about it no you would be no. calling 911 no. yourself so i just need to understand one i need to know who uh boosie sister or brother is because i need the the parents of these nephews to get their kids away from little boosie and i also need the baby mamas to get that child away from him too because boosie does not belong around any children like this is not even funny anymore. <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> oh, so Boosie's now a threat to the to the public. <laughs> you don't think so? Somebody who does this? Uh okay. I know what I'm supposed to say. Right? And Jamal. The obvious yes. Yes. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. The obvious answer is no, what he said was completely wrong. It's completely problematic. It's uh, part of the problem, you know. Uh, it, like it's all those things are true. All those things are true. I understand how we arrive at this place, though. I understand how you get Boosie. You know what I mean? Like it, it's the little Boosies of the world don't just uh, appear. You know what I'm saying? Like they they're made. It, it, I think that there are a lot of factors that go into like how he, he is the way that he is. So he, he's actually in our age range, right? Boosie is 37. Oh, uh, 37 I years couldn't, old. I could not tell. He clearly don't drink enough water. And no, no. Right. He, that's, he's on the I lean thought he diet. About, I thought he was about 45, you know, but I mean, when he's you, been, he's when been you a prisoner and diabetic, <laughs> I guess, you know, that puts it on your face. Go ahead. Yeah. Boosie's uh he's going through a lot of a lot of real shit, you know what I mean, where you can see it aged him a bit. But um it's a down south dude. He's just Boosie is a throwback to masculinity of the nineties. You know what I'm saying? What it meant to be 
be masculine, what it meant to be a real man. Um, and obviously that mode of thinking is, is dated. It's, uh, it, it's out of touch with, with the now. And honestly, you know, it, we're, we're, we're better off because of us coming up to speed. I don't even want to call it progressive. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it's a normal thinking when you start talking about the, the damage that's done to young boys, um, and the, the hypocrisy with how we deal with young, young women. Um, you know, R. Kelly, he was exposed to sexual, he had sexual contact with his older sister at about 12 or 13. And, you know, I, I think that there, there is definitely something to people becoming, you know, be, becoming monsters. Uh, you know, you, you normalize certain behavior and then that, that behavior is repeated. And, you know, it is a vicious cycle. So Boosie was completely wrong. But I'm just saying, I understand how we arrived there. As somebody who is stuck in 1990, like, you remember what 19, the 1990s looked like? When you had niggas with attitude, NWA on the scene, gangster rap, when you had Uncle Luke? Did do you, you had anybody in your family go to go to Freak Nick? No, I'm from a good family. But You're from um, a work, working class family, okay. A, a good working class family. <laughs> And depends on what part of the dream you're on. It might be middle class. Anyway, I just need to hear some of your outrage because I'm not hearing any of it. I mean, you don't need me kicking him down. Like, he, everybody's kicking him. It, it's, Boosie was wild for that. Boosie was wilding. I just um, don't understand how in 2020 we're still on this type of bullshit. Like, the stuff that he was saying, and I had only read one line about it but then i watched the video where somebody read the whole quote that he basically said he bought his uh son and nephew's iphones so they can watch porn and don't send your little girl around here because she might get fucked like what oh i didn't i didn't see all of that yeah that's 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 not and apparently one of the boys in this story is only like i think nine years old or something like that like you know what I mean? Like these are not teen, like like older boys. Like these are really. It sounds like maybe elementary or middle school boys, and you're doing this, and it's gonna be fucking them up in the head. You know, maybe yeah. for their entire lives, and then when they actually do get to the age where they're supposed to be in a relationship with somebody, they're not gonna, you know, even know how to properly conduct themselves because nobody's taught them anything that that they've been exposed to this wild shit before they were even developmentally able to like handle it like i don't understand right. like i need somebody from boosie's family to go on world star or complex or dj vlad or somebody and come out and disown this nigga because it's too much <laughs> like I, like that's really what i want to see because to me like if this was a girl everybody in the world would be putting up you know a, a boosie's tripping cancel boosie like like that's the thing if this was a nine-year-old or a 12 or 13 year old girl and somebody said oh i don't want my uh daughter to be gay or or i want her to be a real woman so therefore i bought some you know 30 year old nigga over here to have sex with her there would be no question on nobody would be trying to understand where this nigga was coming from but because it's boys and because you know as we've come to learn a lot of 
boys did have their first sexual experience with older women taking advantage of them. So that's why another reason why a lot of people don't speak on this because similar things happen to them. Even um the comedian D-Ray, he talked about it and said that his first sexual experience was with one of his mother's friends. Yeah. That and that's a that's a commonality. I think see this is why as outrageous as what Boosie is saying, as outrageous as it is, there's a part of me that has a sensitivity to the climate that the Boosies, you know, are coming from. Like it is 2020. Boosie's not in 2020. Boosie don't give a fuck about being politically correct or even being being not just politically correct, but being, you know, practical in the the handling of, of some of these parental approaches. You know what I mean? It's clearly damaging. But I think Boosie comes from that school of thought of, you know, I went through this. So, you know, you're going to go through this. And, and that's a generational curse. You know well, what I'm yeah, saying? That's the problem. The, the problem is that it still is. at 37 years old, he because apparently he did say that um an, old, an older woman was one of the, um was who he had his first sexual experiences with. So it's a shame that, you know, 25 years later or whatever it is that you still don't know that that wasn't right. Like, right. It, it doesn't make any sense. I remember when I had a job when I was in college and you know, it was to supervise these teenagers who were on their summer jobs. Right. And, uh, we were having problems with one of the boys in the program and I was 22 at the time. And this kid, I guess he was, let's say 16 or 17 or something like that. And one of the guys, they was like, Oh, well, the reason why he doesn't respect you is because I'm sure he's had sex with people your age. And I'm like, I'm about to finish college and this boy is not even halfway through high school like who is fucking these kids but I, I guess somebody is and it just seems weird to me like as somebody who is a woman like the thought of knocking down a, a teenage boy just doesn't even click like it, it doesn't even there's no scenario in the world where I'm knocking down somebody's teenage son like that is creepy to me that's just as creepy as the R. kelly's of the world i don't know why a lot of people don't agree with that but to me i think all of that shit is weird mary Kay letourno you know fucking that little boy when she was his teacher that was weird like i don't know why for some people it's like oh if it's a boy it's it's different than if it's a girl it's like no when you're grown if you have an attraction to children that is weird like that to me is not normal i don't care who the, like i don't care if you're an adult or if you're a man or a woman and the kid is a boy or a girl if you are a grown person with an attraction to these kids there's something wrong with you yes yes you are right i'm just saying i know where that comes from like we're in 2020 to this day i know people who respond to stories about women teachers having sex with high school age boys on. and they're thinking damn where was she when i was in school and what they're saying implicitly is damn i would have liked to have been molested by her but that's not how they're processing that i think ultimately at the end of the day there are far more bootsies out there than we care to admit and you know that's what it is like we say in the beginning you know you're kind of dealing with the world as it is not as it should be you know and this is the result 
No, and and that's the thing that bothers me because it seems like to me there was not enough of an uproar. But when the R. Kelly shit was out, there were way more people talking about how you know people want to bring a black man down, and you know I don't want to stop stepping in the name of love and all that other dumb shit. You know, or the same thing with with, with Bill Cosby, right? It was just like, oh, they don't want to see a black man winning, da 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 da. Like, like there were so many voices saying that, but now here it is that Boosie is literally talking about you're getting preteens. This is not no senior in high school where you know he's going to be eighteen in a couple of months, even though that's gross too. Like you're talking about these are little kids, a nine year old. 10, 11, 12, like these are kids. These are little kids that nobody would, this this is not one of those things where, oh, you know, the kid is 6'3 and he got a full beard and you didn't realize he was a teenager until you started talking to him because he looked grown. Like these are kids who look like kids and you're sitting here paying a woman, which is an act of prostitution to molest them because you're that scared that they're going to be gay. Like, so you're willing to traumatize them to this level? I didn't want to assign a, a why, but was that the reason that was stated? Well, he was basically, he was basically saying like, oh, I want my son to know how to fuck. And I want, you know, if the little girls come around, they're going to get fucked and all of this as if, you know, he's really concerned about this. And, you know, when uh, Zaya Wade, that, that's her name, right? Zaya, I believe it is, came out. You know, he was just saying, oh man, don't cut his dick off and all of this. Cause like they said, Ever since Boosie seen them two niggas fucking in the shower in jail, he ain't been right since. And it's like, Boosie, you need to go talk to somebody. I know Boosie Medicaid, you know what it is? They, Louisiana is one of them poor states and maybe Boosie Medicaid card didn't come through on time. But he really needs help. Like he needs help because it just seems like he it just has such a strong reaction to, to anything having to do with uh straight versus gay and and trans people and all of this so it's like there's something there because i don't think about who is trans or who is gay as long as they're not trying to be gay with me like like you know what i mean because it but it seems like every couple of months we're getting some type of transphobic or homophobic or or sexually problematic comment from boosie which is telling me that there's something else going on here because it, it's too frequent for this to not be a real problem in his psyche yeah i don't want to be a a boosie apologist that, that's not what All right. what i'm doing but i just look at it like he's from louisiana you know, like, yeah, musically, they're their own thing. But Louisiana is the South. That's the deep South. They they're just different out there, man. They're, they're not they're not wired the same. You know, we're, we're from New York. We're a little more progressive, a little more up to date. And they're just behind. You know what I mean? Like, I understand that. I understand that. But at the same time, I can understand that they walk slower than I walk. So when I go to New Orleans and I go go on Bourbon Street, I got to walk slower. I can get with that. But what I'm not going to get with is, oh, they're country people. So therefore, they are. I'm OK with them being OK with child molestation. No, no, I'm, I'm not saying that's OK or, or that ex, it explains it away. I'm just saying that our thinking is not as dated here as it is for them. Where where we are further along in the societal evolutionary plane okay. than they are. And I don't right. even want to speak about this in terms of 
progressiveness because it's not really a matter of being progressive or not. It shouldn't be progressive to say it's inappropriate to expose your children to sex when they're underage. That just sounds like normal parenting. I think that, you know, the, the boosies of the world, they, they're created. You know, you don't just become, uh, you don't, you're not just that person at 35 or 30 or, or 20. I think it's your experiences, particularly as an underage child, that, uh, you know, that, that kind of dictate that. I'm just saying I, I understand how the these people come into existence. I don't know if you watch the show AM Joy on MSNBC, but uh, this morning I turned it on and there was an all-black woman panel uh, including a host. So it was pretty dope to see. And the, some of the black women who were on the panel, um, were the authors of this op-ed that appeared in the Washington post about, um, Joe Biden and the black agenda. Now, a couple episodes ago, you were very clear on times up for me too. So I wanted to know, did you have any um, uh, reactions to this? Because some of the people involved in this are from that kind of, I started on Twitter um, as an activist, but now I got a real job. Just to be clear, what these women asserted in the op-ed that the time for a black woman vice president is now mm -hmm. and that the time for a black woman Supreme Court justice is now and that there needs to be a concerted effort for Democrats yes. to take control of the Senate and that without that, any talks of appointing a black woman is empty rhetoric at best. Yes, and the authors of uh, the letter, in case you're not um, familiar with all of them. Now, I wasn't familiar with Latasha Brown, but she's the co-founder of Black Voters Matter. Tiffany D. Cross, who I am familiar with, um, she's a political commentator, and I believe she's involved in um, like a news website or something. Um, but she recently or is about to release a book, you know, so she's a political commentator. Brittany Packnett, um, I'm not very familiar with her, but I know that she has done some work with the guys from Pod Save America. And here on the Washington Post, they're describing her as an activist, educator, and writer. Alicia Garza, who I'm familiar with her name, but they said that she's the principal of Black Futures Lab, and she has a podcast as well. Sunny Hostin, um, who I know from Court TV because my mother used to watch it all the time. But uh, she's now on The View, um, Angela Rye, who we all know, as well as uh, Amanda Seals, who we all know. So these women um, are the ones who put out this, um, quote unquote, uh, black agenda. Right. So th those young ladies, I am familiar with some of them. Um, so this is this is this is my <laughs> this is my take on this. I think that I think that this shit is. It's like it's like p playing poker, right? And you, you you're going up against the person who is the big fish at the table, and you got all your chips in, but it's not enough to make them go all in, right? <laughs> if you ever play Texas No Limit Poke'em, uh, no no li no limit hold'em, you know, uh, this is the the these black women. This is their turn card. They're waiting for the for the card on the river to try to get make their hand. 
and they, they're attempting to leverage Joe Biden. Um, push, 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 right, to get this point across. But you know what's going to happen? Maybe it works, right? And that'd be super dope. Maybe it works. But what they're attempting to do is have the Democratic Party completely and radically shift the way that they engage in politics and the way they've engaged in politics for the last 50 plus years. And they're hoping to do that in the six months prior to the 2020 election. So I don't want to say like, it's fuck out of here. I'm going to say, I'm going to not hold my breath on this. If you think that this is going to be effective, I, I feel like you're mistaken. It, there is absolutely no leverage. There is absolutely nothing to barter because what black people collectively or even the, the pundits involved, what they're unwilling to do is issue an ultimatum. What do you, what's the ultimatum? You, you're going to uh, deal with the black agenda or else, or else what? You're going to vote for them anyway. They don't give a fuck what you, what you got to say. They're, they're not putting, you know, a, a black woman in, in the VP spot to satisfy the black voters who are going to vote for them anyway. They're banking on that. So what's the ultimatum? If you don't have the ability to to be able to truly leverage uh, what it is that you're attempting to accomplish with any kind of action, with any kind of fallout, they don't give a fuck. There's, there's be no reason to. Well, what's the incentive? So I was looking at this from a different lens because when I watched the section this morning on AM Joy, I just happened to catch it. I hadn't watched from a, you know in a while because just with all of this coronavirus, like I have to take a step back from the news, but I, I caught this section. And I guess for me, the thing that made me take this less serious or when they were saying that Stacey Abrams and Kamala Harris were the two black women that who they were suggesting for VP, people didn't like Kamala Harris in the primaries because of her history as a prosecutor and all of that. So why would they be discussing her as a VP pick? That seemed weird to me. Um, I didn't hear any suggestions for the, the Supreme Court nominee, who they want. And I think for me, I don't necessarily want a symbol. I want somebody who's going to do the actual work. Because like, for instance, with Clarence Thomas being on the Supreme Court, like he's a black man, but we know that he's not interested in you know, the causes that help black people. So I would actually like to see some people who have experience on the things that we need, not just somebody who, you know, people like, or somebody who is palatable to white people, you know, and this whole conversation about like, maybe Joe Biden should pick Amy Klobuchar. They could just miss me with that because I... I'm not convinced that white women are going to do the right thing when they didn't do the right thing the last time they had the chance. I mean, I think white women generally, <laughs> in terms of voting outcomes, they generally don't do the right thing. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm completely jaded. And so I'm just at a point where I feel like there is no reason to believe that any politicians are going to engage in good faith with with you and I, with melanated people, people of color. It's not it's not gonna happen. This system isn't designed for us, the everyday citizen. And so much of this is is two sides of the same coin. We we're just 
I'm, I'm completely disgusted. You know what I mean? Is nothing's gonna come with this? You know, um, th- this isn't for us. Yeah, I mean, when I put on my evil strategy hat, what I think that we probably need to do if we wanted to actually be taken serious is start running third party candidates who would be able to pull votes off from the Democrats and then it would be in the Democrats interest to engage with us. But I think that like we mentioned the previous episode, now that we have this professional activist class, that it pays more for them to be down with the powers that be than it does to be holding those people accountable. I just don't know like what the pipeline would be like, where is the black person's Ross Perot or, you know what I mean? Like, like we, that's what we kind of need in order to have some bargaining power. But I just don't know if we're in a position that even no. something Hell you no. know, like that, like that could happen. <laughs> we're not in a position to do anything collectively because we, you live in a white supremacist society. The, like the, the 800 pound gorilla with, with, all of these independent people is them being having a shitload of money, right? Bloomberg was right. able to bump pump a whole bunch of money. Same thing with Ross Perot. Who are the 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 black wealthy uh, people who are gonna who are gonna be wealthy enough to be insulated from being politically independent? Because th- that's a di- that's a different level of wealth. Well, what I think is, I think too often for a certain generation of black people that actual success was being able to like assimilate into the mainstream to a certain degree so i think that that's why people find it more appealing to for instance get in, get invited to you know the white house correspondence dinner or you know the house that what is it the al smith dinner or whatever like that's more attractive than saying no I'm going to take my money and stand on the outside and and get my agenda heard. And that's just because we were all raised in that system. Um, Even Donald Trump to that extent, because they talked about how like there were, you know, certain parts of New York society that would not accept him because he was, you know, new money and all of that. But then his kids were able to get into, you know, some of these places because they, you know, grew up in, in a certain way. So until we overcome that hurdle, I don't know if the people who have the level of money that's required to make a difference will be able to be on the outside. But how do we how do we overcome that? The you don't have any leverage, right? There like the black community doesn't exist. So don't say that. They don't. where's the black community? Let's talk about New York City. Where's the black community in New York? The black community is everywhere that black people are. No, that and that's what they tell you. That's the Kool Aid that they're serving that you you are willingly willingly sipping right now. No, the black community. I live in the black community. I live in the black community, and the, you know that the black community is uh, an uh, amorphous area. It, it doesn't exist on a map. There is no community if you don't own the banks. There is no community if you don't own the the, the stores, the the hair salons, the the laundromats, the grocery stores, the the homes. You living there doesn't make it yours. You are you are a resident. That's not your community though. Um, and so when you don't have any ownership, you can't in turn leverage that. You can't say, you know, I, I live here, so I'm gonna leverage my apartment. 
where I'm paying rent into being able to finance X, Y, or Z. And at some point, Z is going to be a political influence. You know what I mean? And and this isn't just on a national level, even on a local level. So, so much of the, the breakdown politically is tied to the disenfranchisement that we have and the second class citizenship. And it goes back to, to ownership. You have to be able to, to have. But at the same time, I think mm-hmm. it's not necessarily just ownership because we know who's the, what community is the biggest recipient of welfare and Section 8 in Williamsburg? It's not black people, right? So there's another layer to this. I think if we realize our power and we realize the ways to harness our power that we could be further along, because at the end of the day, you don't have to own property anymore to have a vote, right? So that that's how I feel. But I think to your point in terms of getting leverage, I think we need to have leverage from both angles. We need to have leverage from the point of voting and we need to have the leverage on the other side of uh, we need political candidates who can actually push our agenda forward and where there can be consequences related to that. Because that's like to your earlier point, where are we going to go politically if the Democrats don't do what we want? Like Donald Trump got a whole supremacist, a whole white supremacist agenda and makes no apologies about it. So those are our only two options. Like if there was some kind of third party who we could go to, then we would have the leverage. But then again, to be to have the leverage, you have to be rich, and our rich people have the same politics as the other other people's rich people, and therein lies the problem. Yeah, uh, so much of this has become a matter of class as opposed to race politics. Um, I think when you look at Kamala Harris, I was so big on Kamala when she first was running. I was so excited about the the prospect of, of having a, a black woman president. I thought that she she had a lot of Obama qualities, you know, in her. And to see people distort and you know attack her for working as a prosecutor, I thought it was just you know it was just a little short sighted. It was it was myopic. I I actually had to have this conversation with uh, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Dion. You know, she was a a defense attorney, right? Shout out to Dion. Well, okay, shout out to Dion. Don't do that. And and she was, I I brought up, I'm I'm saying, she was a defense attorney where she was very successful as a defense attorney with like a a 99.9%, you know, win win rate, right? She was very successful uh, getting not guilties. But, she became an assistant district attorney and I couldn't wrap my mind around that initially as a kid from Brownsville from Brooklyn. I'm like, well, why would you, why would you go and do that? And what she explained to me and I had to marinate on that. And I eventually internalized it because I thought it did make sense was that you can uh, effectuate more change uh, in a far more dramatic way by being in the, at the table and deciding if you even want to bring charges forward, of course, uh, versus you know beating bogus charges or you know fighting to have bogus arrests thrown out, you can say no, nah, I'm not even entertaining this, and you can impact more people and, and do that at a you know at a at a far more effective manner than 
fighting these individual battles at the lowest levels. And so when I thought of Kamala Harris, I'm like, you know what? This is this tapped right into that that vein where it's like, you know what? This is somebody who was the highest the highest office uh, that you can be as an attorney, right? In California, she was the attorney general. That that type of experience and that type of understanding of how the the communities work and how the you know the communities are policed and how those laws need to be you know abided by and enforced and like that type of person going into a policy making decision uh, role that that's that's that would have been like super super powerful but we're, we're not we're not ready for that so for me i guess my issue that i have with a lot of this is i think a lot of these people could be more powerful in the actual senate but you know everybody wants to be beyonce i i like the coverage that she gets when when she questions these people as part of a committee like if she could become the chair of the finance committee or i think it's bank and finance or something like that or you know things like that like i think she would probably be able to do more there than she would as president or vice president but again everybody want to be beyonce shout out to shout out to kelly how fine self what's i wanted to ask you switching gears i wanted to ask you about this 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 Brandon Tatum guy, because I honestly I was ask you. <laughs> so I wasn't really familiar with Brandon Tatum. Neither was I. Um, I, I know that I gathered as much that he's a, a former cop, you know, uh, adamant cons, uh, conservative. And he has a, a video up from a, a Zoom video call where he goes zero to 100. And he just starts talking crazy to uh to one of the guys on the uh on the on the, the Zoom call. And like he he's the type of guy from what I gathered to that panders to allegedly panders to a white audience. So when you start hearing that I'ma fuck you up, nigga talk and you know, all the extra spicy, you know, rage coming from this former cop, um, you know, I can see why the optics of it look, look a little nuts. And this is as he's defending the the men who gunned down uh, Ahmad Aubrey. So, you know, it looks nuts, the, the, the video clip. It does look <laughs> a little nuts. So I think I had heard this person's name before, but I was never familiar about, you know, familiar with what he did. He has hundreds of thousands of followers on Twitter, and apparently he is one of these people who was down with the Blexit, you know, which was the black exit of the Democratic Party. So he's apparently affiliated with Kansas Owens, which lets me know Mm -hmm. out the gate that I can't fuck with him. Yeah, yeah. and Candace Owens had put up a a video about that um, uh, Arbery shooting. That was just like, I was so disgusted with her. I'm like, really? But that's why her hair looks like that. It's like if you would go against your people, your hair can never lay properly. (laughs) I just, like, 
the video that I saw when I was like, first of all, if I was on a Zoom call, I forgot who the other guy was. I think his name was like Byron or Bryson or something. The way he was laughing and drinking his drink, that would have been me because the way that that nigga Brandon was <laughs> pointing in the direction of the Zoom box of the nigga he was talking to, it was like, and when I see you, it's on. I was like, wait. But the thing is, I then watched because on Worldstar, they have like a, a longer clip because originally I only saw like the, the couple seconds like when he was yelling but he seems to be one of these people who's kind of like oh you know black on black crime is a problem Ahmad Aubrey should have been complying with the citizens arrest and he didn't so you know they were justified in doing this but when he was out here calling people bitch niggas and all of this you know and the whole tip Jesus was like is this black on black crime like I didn't know that those um uh, black conservative programs be getting that turned up. <laughs> like all of that holier than thou shit goes out the window, and it it almost just looks like code switching in re- in reverse. That's exactly what you it know? was. Yeah, it's like now, now you feel like it's appropriate, so you can get your shit off. Like hearing black conservatives use the n word is a is uh it's offensive but you know the funny thing is i watched the full video of that and um what hotel jesus was saying hotel jesus was like yo it's grifting season and and, yeah. and it's about to be quiet for brandon so now of course he gotta do something outrageous to you know extend his 15 minutes of fame but what i really wanted to say is like are there any other groups who do this you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if, like, like right now, are there any Jewish people who are down with the Holocaust deniers or gay people who are down with, you know, these family first organizations or, you know, any of that? Like, like you, you ask that every week. I just, we, need, we to, go with that. I just need to understand <laughs> because it seems as though we're the only people who can make a career out of being against our own people like because there's money to be made and being anti-black right but that's what i'm saying so there's no money made in being anti-semitic or or homophobic okay okay that's that's, that's all you want to know you want to know what the fallout is for saying that palestine should be uh should have equal rights and everybody can live in harmony ask mark lamont hill who who said said basically that and they say he was anti-semitic they went in out of here he, i just was listening to a story he told where he, he said the said that the the gentleman i don't want to give it away, it ruins the punchline he said the gentleman he was talking to said that the comments he made about a uh, free palestine was the most outrageous uh thing he had heard morally and he he, he can't stand to hear that and this guy also happens to be Bill Cosby's lawyer. Um, he's on a on a board at, at the college that Mark Lamont Hill uh, teaches at. So it's just like you know, people have people have been able to monetize anti blackness in a way that you can't monetize these other agendas, and they are. I, agendas. I hate it. So, I hate it. I really hate it because, like, haven't we been through enough as black people? And I get that no. black people are not a monolith. And I've sat on this very production and, and had some disagreements with maybe some other, you know, people of our same persuasion. But 
I just don't think that, you know, I think the only other thing that maybe I could compare this to are the, the Phyllis Schlafly's. Are you familiar with her? No. So basically Phyllis Schlafly was this woman and I believe she was out, I want to say maybe in like the seventies or the eighties or, or around that time. She was a woman who was against the women's rights movement. Like that's the only thing I could compare this to. And and she was a woman who had, I think, like seven kids and, and she was one of these, you know, women belong in the home and you should want to be a mother and blah, 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 blah. But the thing is, it was like, yo, you got a whole job, which is being against women and that, and you're doing that outside the home. But yet you're telling every other woman that they need to stay in the home. Like I, that's the only thing that I can liken this to. And no, I mean, you have like those two ladies that come out and anytime Trump is talking to, to black people, he, he marches who, them out. Who diamond and silk. Yeah. But, yeah. No, 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 no. but what I'm saying is diamond and silk are, are part of this. What I'm saying is there are no, there's no other group that has a member of their own group disparaging that group, except for like the Phyllis Schlafly's and, and some of these, you know, um, uh, anti-feminist uh, women scholars. You don't really see that in too many, like there's no Chinese anti-China influencer out there. You know what I mean? Like there's no anti-gay rights gay person who we can name off the top of our head. I'm sure maybe these people exist, except for, unless it was um, the, the dude Milo, but um, his, his jam was more of the white supremacist Thing. He he wasn't really anti-gay, but he was anti-trans. But I don't know any anti-trans trans people, you know. Yeah, it, it's there's a level of of. See, I don't even want to call it self hate because at the end of the day, people are driven by the economics of it. This is what capitalism does. You know, everything could be purchased, even uh, a people's uh, moral compass. Everything's for sale. So. Yeah, I mean, but but some of the shit that that dude Brandon was saying was just so tired of, you know. Oh well, you know, a lot of the in a lot of these situations, the people have criminal records. It's like it don't matter how long somebody's criminal record is. If I get gunned down while I'm buying a pack of gum, my criminal record is irrelevant unless I was stealing the pack of gum. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, like, no, you're right. Like, like you're he was right. one of those people saying like, oh, these people have criminal histories. It's like, right. But if I was not committing a crime at the time, it it's irrelevant. Like, and then obviously that's not, a, that's not a hundred percent accurate either. You know, it's like, oh, he, he, he said, it's just, it's just a coincidence that they all have criminal history. It's like the fact that you feel like every black person that got gunned down has a criminal history is like some reverse negative on steroids like that's just not true Flando Cat still had a criminal history like what the fuck you talking about it, it you know I, I I saw it and I looked at him like a caricature you know what I'm saying like like dude isn't a real person you can't get that kind of that kind of shit off like in New York right. no no I'm convinced you know what I mean that, you know what it is I definitely think that I don't you know some people on Twitter speculate that some of these people are like paid operatives. I don't know if it's necessarily to that level, but these people definitely have an agenda that's aside from oh, I just feel like this and I just believe these things because a lot of this shit doesn't even make sense and it's not a mainstream enough belief to make me think that these people have these ideas solely solely of their own accord and not because they're being paid or compensated in some other form. 
Yeah, no, nah, definitely. Because yeah, it's like for you to get your shit off, I have to suspend, suspend not only belief, but rationale, common sense, and recent history to be able to co-sign this, the bullshit you're saying. Like, come on, dog. That shit is just not accurate. And you shouldn't feel comfortable speaking w- with that much conviction about some shit that you flat out wrong on. Like, all of it is is nuts. All of it. And just to me being becoming a public figure, because I'm on this person's Twitter page um, right now, and he says, he describes himself as CEO of the Office of Tatum LLC. So, like, this is your business? So, like, your business is being a black cop against black people? Goodbye. Yeah, welcome, <laughs> welcome to 2020. Like, like, like that's what I'm saying. It's like they clearly, you know, are people paying you or, or or something. And don't get me wrong. Like, I don't agree with a lot of these people on the left. Like, D-Ray, that nigga confuses me. Sean Robinson, Talcum X, what the fuck is he doing? You know what I mean? Like, so I'm not even all in on any of these people, you know, who are these professional activists. But I think the ones who are calling themselves quote unquote conservative, they seem to have even more um, skeletons in their closet than, than the other people. Because I read the article on Candace Owens and, you know, in like 2006, she was suing her, her high school district for discrimination, racial discrimination. And now, you know, 10 years later, she was sending her ass up on Joe Rogan or wherever with a crunchy ass rap you know, talking about how discrimination uh-huh. didn't exist. So it's like, girl, you must be an actress because nobody's politics switches that far that fast. Like, You got to love yourself before you can love somebody else, though. Okay, so we've, we've teased this for a couple episodes. It has finally happened. The Bitcoin happening has taken place. So what does that mean for you people who know nothing about cryptocurrency and Bitcoin? What is the happening? Why why is it important? Let's uh, let's try to give some some context and uh, some insights into what's happening. Okay, I will start, and you jump in any place that I'm being inaccurate. So, in terms of Bitcoin, it is a deflationary currency, which means as time goes on, there will be less as opposed to the U.S. dollar, which is an inflationary uh, inflationary uh, currency, which means as time goes on, there will be more. There will only ever be, I believe, 21 million Bitcoin. A Bitcoin is created through the process called mining. Think about gold mining. Every block that is mined, there is what's called a block reward, and that goes to the people who own the computers and the hard drives that mine the Bitcoin. Now, this mining that just happened, I believe it was like, what, four or five days ago, because it was like around the 11th. So originally the block reward was 50 Bitcoin. And basically, instead of having to go purchase that, you get it as a reward for letting your computer's space be used. Then um, four years after that, it got cut in half to 25, then um, now 12.5. And that's basically the happening in a nutshell. And the point, yeah, of you, it, you, yeah, the point of it is mm-hmm. to reward the people for allowing their equipment to be used to generate Bitcoin. 
Well, it's not, it's not just that. Uh, I just want to point out. So the, the happening takes place every four years. It's a, a scheduled event. Yes. And more important than just rewarding the people who are actually mining, which is solving the algorithms that unleashes the Bitcoins onto the blockchain. What it does is it controls the flow of Bitcoin into circulation and it being fixed and being able to be measured prevents uh, or it should prevent the inflation of of the currency um, much like you have with the gold not the gold dollar much like you have with the US dollar where they are seemingly just printing infinite amount of new currency yeah. that's not really backed by anything uh, Bitcoin is it's like gold at this point the value of it doesn't isn't diminished um, as you have more coming out. And in fact, what it does because of how it's regulated in terms of uh, the halvenings, what it's going to do is going to actually drive the price up. At least that's what it should do based on, you know, the economics of it, you know, the supply and demand. As the supply becomes more limited, the demand should increase. So that that's, uh, that's in a nutshell what just took place. Um, Bitcoin is still, if you believe it, it's going to surge the way many people do, then it is still a buyer's market right now. I think at the time of this recording it's down to about, and I say down to about $9,500, but that, that has, uh, that number is reflective of all of the losses of the, the stock market crashing, all that stuff that took place in March, all, all those losses are gone. Uh, it's recovered completely. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the United States is on round three of bailouts. Now talking about giving a, giving away $3 trillion. Yeah, they just um, found so another start... three trillion under the couch. Right. So that that's $5.5 trillion that the U.S. is giving away in paper money that's not backed by anything to stimulate the economy and the, the stock market and whatnot. And here it is, this cryptocurrency, Bitcoin is completely so it's basically independent of, of that which is the the intended purpose of it to be a safe haven for investors now i have a question so, for yeah. you i know we're about to wrap up we've been having such a good time mm-hmm. on this evening um and i'm happy for that because the nelly and luda verses did not go the way i wanted it to go oh um, landslide luda got him out of here go ahead. <laughs> jesus don't, don't even get me started um you know, in my household, there was one person in favor of Nelly, one person in favor for Luda. Um, you know, so it it, it was a little uh, a, a rough patch. For Listen, Luda's been taking L's. You have you have this this whack ass John Henry movie that he put out where he was the main villain, and I they double up with oh John Henry Terry Terry Crews is John Henry. Terry uh, that's Cruz. the character's name. Oh, no. Terry Cruz, a reformed gangster. Already All you gotta that. do is, is look at the trailer. He has like it almost sounds like it's painful for him to speak. This is arguably one of the worst movies ever made. When did this Real come quick, out? Uh, it, it came out on Netflix maybe a week and a half ago. Oh, this shit. is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. The, the worst movie I've ever seen was Mystery Men, which came out when we were uh, maybe ninth grade, tenth grade, <laughs> and I remember. <laughs> Oh, maybe, maybe it was earlier than that, but I remember watching it with with Naj when uh, at his house, Shout and out he to picked Naj. the movie. Yes, and it was such a bad movie that we jumped him because it was Don't like, "Yo, that. what made you pick?" You this? know, that's my yes, friend. Yes, yes. I haven't seen no, him no, in no, a few like, years, I, but that's still my friend. Yeah, 
Shout out to Naj. I was there. Kendall was there. Don't do that. Anyway, so so yeah, no. But this this yeah. So Luda has been taking a whole bunch of L's. You know, versus took a step back, man. Bring back Jill Scott and Erica Baidu. Yes, yes, yes. But uh, well, go ahead. What were you gonna say? What I was gonna say was um. I mean, so where where was your head at in terms of investing? Because I, a friend of mine, uh, we have conversations on a regular basis about investing, and you know, he is talking about kind of jumping in and out of current uh, cryptocurrency. And the way I feel is, I want to be in crypto and then get more into other things. The way I feel is like I don't ever want to be out of crypto or at least I don't ever want to be out of Bitcoin because I truly do believe that 10, 15, 20 years from now, our kids are going to be asking us like, mom, dad, what were you doing with Bitcoin? It was only, you know, 10,000, 15,000, you know, now it's 50 or a hundred or, you know, whatever the price will be down the road. So right. that's why I, that's why I always want to be in. So are you, are you feeling like you in this for the long haul? Or are you just in this for the quick or, or what are you doing? Yeah, I am all in on on cryptocurrency, particularly Bitcoin. Uh, I, I have tried to diversify my my wallet, my portfolio a bit. Uh, and I, I took a look at a couple other currencies that, you know, you get a small, a small stake of. But ultimately, I, I'm all in. I think traditional stock markets, like the economy can be manipulated and that that is the byproduct of regulation and if you tell me that a free market it you know the downside of a free market is there being no no uh stop gaps and if if it's falling it's going to continue to fall i'm i'm here for it whatever um i think that's still a better bet than this monopoly money that is the US dollar this shit is a joke and the quicker you realize that, the, the the more you realize just how close we all are to being completely fucked economically. Like you have people who don't even understand that your retirement account is somebody is a, a, a company's play money. You know, they they they're willing to give you four percent, five percent, and you're contributing X amount of dollars every two weeks uh, in a year. But meanwhile, they're monetizing your money. And when they lose, you don't have any insurance. So you know how many people with this last dip, I, I personally know that lost thousands, tens of thousands of dollars. Oh, I didn't even check. I have, I have the 401k for the job I have now. And I have one for, from a previous job. I didn't look at either one of them. Um, the only thing that I know is okay is my Bitcoin IRA. Um, so yeah, I think you have to be realistic about what your future is. And I don't think that you could bank on, you know, allowing other people to, to play with your money. Like if, if you are, I, like, I don't even think people realize that that's what they're conceding. You know what I mean? It's like the people that get excited about tax returns do every that. year. And it's like, no, with, with your, no, it's, it's, not, not it's the same thing in my mind. Like a, a tax return is saying that you have overpaid 
your tax liability for that previous fiscal year and you being excited about it tells me that you were comfortable giving the government an interest-free loan for the duration of the year and and are satisfied them simply refunding you your overpayment amount no i'm i'm too much of a hustler give me my money up front i'll bet on me every time i agree with you um but i also think a lot of it is one um vantage point and then two what does success look like for you, right? So I have one friend who gets happy around tax refund time because that person is not really a hustler. That person is like, hey, this $3,500 that I'm going to get back because, you know, I have children and, you know, all the other things that get you tax deductions, you know, that 3500 is going to, you know, give me the little cushion, put put me on my feet, you know, if I, if you will. Um, so if you're that type of person, then sure, get excited about it, right? You're not looking to do anything else. Um, and then I have another uh, friend who doesn't understand that if you're still getting, you know, tax refunds, you're just not a super high earner because we know you either got to be in the super, super rich or the lower end to get these thousands of dollars in tax returns. Like the, the average person, the average, you know, middle class, upper middle class person, if you go by the Pew Research, is not getting $5,000 back or whatever. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. I really feel like my goal every year with taxes is I just want to break even. I don't want them to have none of my money and I don't mm-hmm. want to owe them nothing. Um, you know, yeah. and... and <laughs> I actually started started sending them extra money. Yeah. Uh you know, just like, sure. but like, like you hit the nail on the head. I, I want to break even. I don't want, I don't need anything yeah. back. Yeah, exactly. Owe. And I'm, I know for me, you know, to all, you know, to God be the glory, you know, I'm at the place where, you know, now I'm thinking of, I'm going to make um, some charitable donations and all of that to be able to get a tax, you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, well, listen, the 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 bank the bank of Jay Nicholas is open for business and, and I will grant you. Five hundred one right. three. I don't want it. Yes, and nothing but a word. We're gonna talk once I turn <laughs> off this microphone. All right. So you guys have just tuned into another episode of Printing and Friends podcast. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you were here with us. I can't believe it, but I do appreciate it. Uh, for additional content, please check out other episodes of Printing Internet Friends. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter by Mr. J. Nicholas and uh, Nicole yeah. Shanique. And you can also find us on YouTube. Um, is there anything I left out, ma'am? No, no, no. Good episode. Okay. All right. Well, we will see you next week um, as long as uh, Boosie allows Oh, God. It. All right. <laughs> Peace and blessings, y'all. We're out. Yeah.